A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi there. My name is Jenny Rooney, Chief Experience Officer and host of Adweek's newest podcast, Marketing Vanguard. We're so excited to bring you the next evolution of CMO Moves by bringing you insightful content from our marketing community. Together, we'll dive into discussions with CMOs and other C-suite executives who are tasked daily with making decisions that in incremental or monumental ways move the needle for their brands, their companies, and the customers they serve. In each episode, we'll focus on one key idea or decision, why they made it, what it caused, whether it worked, the ripples it set forth, and how it has defined the person as a business leader. We also address missteps, poor choices, and gambles, as mistakes, of course, often yield the greatest knowledge. In addition, we'll ask each guest to share the names of people they rely on daily, as well as a recommendation for whom we should interview next. Hi, everyone. I'm Jenny Rooney. Welcome to the Marketing Vanguard podcast. I'm, I'm so excited to be with Amanda Tollison today. She's the CMO of Weight Watchers. And we're going to get into learning um, about her story and also uh, how she's leading the marketing uh, forward for Weight Watchers. Amanda, welcome. Thank you so much. So excited to be here. Great to see you as always. And um, Amanda, you, you're such a uh, dynamic CMO in this industry. You've done so many amazing things. And uh, for those who don't know, would love for you to tell just a little bit about your story and your path to where you are now. Sure. Yeah. Um, so as you said, now I am at uh, the CMO, global CMO at Weight Watchers, a public company, but did not start on that same um, kind of span of influence, if you will, from the global public company. And I came up really uh, first in consulting. So I had first half of my career was in brand consulting, really digging my um, hands into the more strategic elements of brand strategy, customer research, design work, you know, how do you build brands and how do you leverage the brand equity to grow businesses? Uh, and then I uh, loved that. Honestly, I haven't, I've loved every role I've had, which I think I'm very fortunate in, in that sense. But I get very... Um, curious about what else I could love. And so I'd never been on the operational side. And I thought, well, now or never kind of point in my career. And what better place to get really in the weeds of operations than a startup. So I I feel like I jumped off the deep end in some ways Mm -hmm. when I did that, because in the startup, you are in the weeds, really aggressively learning. So as head of brand marketing at Birchbox when it was in its high growth phase and then grew into the CMO role. Uh, And after that, I went to Masonette. So I went really early stage, so a really early stage Series A startup, Masonette, with the, which was a kid's marketplace, grew that to Series C. So in that role, I really got to build from scratch, right? Build the team, learn how to do um, media from scratch, um, grow the brand. 
And then Weight Watchers came knocking and um, I really wasn't looking, but was very intrigued by the idea that Seema, the CEO now, who came mm -hmm. from um, House Party, was a startup founder herself. And, you know, I was like, well, what's she doing over there? And when I spoke with her first, it was really about the opportunity to bring all that startup verve and um, transformation to an established company and really transform it for um, to be relevant in the modern day. So let's talk about that. Um, tell us a little bit about, you know, Weight Watchers. Honestly, it's an iconic brand. It's it's a company. I know we we as Adweek have written about the company and the history of it, <laughs> sort of its origin story. But talk a little bit about that and um, bring us up to speed with with where the company is now. Yeah. So as you said, a 60-year-old heritage brand. So again, really different than the um, startups place I'd come from where you're building the brand. This was really evaluating you know, all of the equity we've built over 60 years as a brand and a company and where we where there's so much greatness that we need to keep and make relevant modern, but also where do we need to grow and transform and how this industry is changing. Um, so the first part was really um, looking at Gene, Gene Nyich was the first OG founder, really. I think that's an untold story that deserves to be told. You know, she, she, at the time she started Weight Watchers, which she really started a movement that became a business because it was really mm -hmm. a personal story for her, right? She herself was looking, on, looking to um, lose weight, be healthier, um, and she wanted to do it with community. And so she started that and it kind of grew from there. But when she started the business, her... Um, her husband had to sign for the lease spaces for where she had workshops. I don't know if you knew that, which is just fascinating, right? Like yeah. wow. this woman who, who was a visionary and created this business this around six years later, she wasn't even allowed legally to yeah. sign leases. Um, so that, that's just a, you know, a little bit of a tidbit of, of where the business was coming from. Uh, so there's so much there that's rich. There's a sense of involving community. It's really based on science. There's a chief scientific officer, there's a science team. It's, it's based on nutritional science, behavior change science, and, and how that can really drive success if you're on a kind of weight loss or weight health journey. Um, and community being such a big part of it. So mm -hmm. all of that, um, and I think the, the vision you might have in your head if you haven't been up to date with where we are is those core principles, but applied in a, a different age of years ago. So like the traditional workshop might be what someone would have in their mind where it's a physical space and people get together and even um, doing the program on paper is kind of how it was done in the past. So mm -hmm. the transformation we've made over the past as a business um, say five, 10 years is um, we have an app. 80% of our members are on an app. We're actually a digital company more than we are a physical space yeah. company. I was um, going to say, it's a, it, the tech and data is what's changed. You know, you have new tech and new data that, that informs the experience and the overall value that you're delivering to your customers. Yeah, it's taking the same principles and, and bringing it to the consumer the way they want it now, which is right yeah. on your phone, you want it digitally. And that allows a better experience. Yep. Um, to engage and how do you create community? A big thing we're thinking about is how do you create that same sense of community and engagement and support from the community in the digital world? Yep. And how do you, and not only digital, but in a way that's connected. So what are IRL experiences that are connected and supported to your digital experience? Yep. Um, so one example is 80% of our members are within like five miles of, um, of, other, of a huge portion of other members. We actually have one of the biggest social networks wow. in 
out there, <laughs> Weight Watchers yeah. does with our millions of members. Yeah. Um, and how do you, le- that's like, how do you leverage that, right? It's yeah. like, how do you leverage that to create experiences of now these members, in, they're on the digital experience, but how can you supplement that with IRL? Well, it's interesting because, you know, unlike other brand marketers who, um, you know, their goal is to create a community, right? They're working through mechanisms to create engagement and build a community. You already have one. So it, you know, it's, it's arguably your game to lose. You know what I mean? It's like, it's a different kind of challenge and and continually making them feel like, you know, and I I would imagine there's a delicate dance between, you know, because a lot of these people probably go off and actually just kind of like it, it, it's a, it becomes organic and self-supporting, right? So the question then becomes what role does Weight Watchers need to play if these yeah. human beings are actually gathering, whether it be online, digitally or, or offline, um, you know, where do you sort of fit in in a way that is value add? And obviously it's in the mechanism of the product and the platform itself. But talk a little bit about that integration in a meaningful way into that community. Yeah, I think there's there's different elements of it. So part, as you said, is the actual, um, we take the complexity of nutrition um, mm. and, and, and simplify it into behavior change. So the points is kind of what we're known for, um, I think, if you've heard of anything. And it's it's not the points per se, but it's the, right now there's, a, and this is even more so today, it's like macros and what are you eating? And that's a lot of information for someone to, you know, you could take our program and put it right in on a piece of paper and give it to someone. That is not providing something of like real value for someone trying to live their life every day, right? It's actually, uh, which is different than 60 years ago, the information is out there on the internet in a lot of ways, right? Like there's a million influencers, there's a million books you can read, but what people really need support on is accountability, livability. How do I, when I'm driving, you know, I'm on a road trip and I'm in the middle of country, like how do I make sure I know I'm able to eat the things um, that are going to keep me on track? And how do I also go out to, dinners with friends and, and still be livable. So it's the, the kind of programization of that into a, a fun game, gamified experience in the app. And then it's the community element, which is it's, it's when you're on a weight health journey, it's similar. Think of like um, when you first have a, a, a baby, at least for me, it was like this, this experience that having that support of a, someone else going through the journey with you is in and of itself great value. Yeah. It's so it's a place to just relate, to cheer each other on, to, um, have victories that are not just your own, but are, are together as a community, right? So maybe you that day um, felt like you struggled, but if someone in your your kind of social group uh, of our social network um, had a success, you can cheer them on. So that, I don't know, that connectivity of, of going through something together is really valuable. And how, um, so those two elements of the experience together is what has made it really sticky over the years. Yeah, you let's go back real quick to your experience when you referenced Birchbox and Masonette. And you said how you really wanted to go in, you know, you wanted to get that operations experience. Um, and you also wanted to get that experience of, you know, getting in on the ground floor and being in something that was very entrepreneurial. What did you learn from those experiences? You know, what are the three things, two, three things you learned from those experiences? And what did you carry over into now your global CMO role at Weight Watchers? What have you been able to directly apply? Yeah, I mean, this is actually one of the things I'm really passionate about now as a kind of moving the industry forward, which really is happenstance from this opportunity. But I think there's so much value from CMOs who've grown up in the startup world, the mindsets, the behaviors, the pace of what it takes to succeed there and how that can really 
be applied to large kind of large companies at different stages of the mm-hmm. business. Um, so a couple of them would be, um, and especially I say businesses that are in transformation. But one would be I think uh, cognitive dissonance is something that you really have to live with at a startup, which is both like. Uh, the ambitions are grand, right? That is what it means to be at a startup and say, we are going to win. This idea is amazing. Consumers are going to love it. It's We're so distant from that endpoint because you're so early, but we believe in this and this is going to happen. At the same time, in order to actually be successful at that, you have to assume everything you're going to do is actually not going to fully work, right? Because <laughs> it can't. Like, you, you actually don't, like, in you should never set yourself that bar because no one, it's new. Mm. The best marketer couldn't do it perfectly. It's not mm. possible. So you have to operate with this sense of like, this is nine, you know, eight, 50% of what I'm doing is not going to work. So what are all the other things I'm going to do when that doesn't work? And, and, and hold those two mindsets, yeah. both in your own mind and also build that mindset into your team so that success mm. is not, I did the thing and it it, it worked exactly how it was going to work or I thought it's it was. It's not linear either. I'm yeah. sure it's not linear either. I mean, there's just so many different ways you can get to from point A to point B. And, and, and part of the, to your point, part of the journey is that is, is the experience, you know, that you're learning and applying. Um, you know, it's interesting because um, I, you come from, you know, having given your background, um, I'm, I'm so curious. And, and frankly, Weight Watchers is such a known brand that I'm curious what your thoughts are around the, the you know, the ongoing debate around performance versus brand marketing. Mm-hmm. Where do you where do you sit with that? I mean, I feel like I hear most modern CMOs say this, but like, listen, they both are important and they both um, are critical and they're both related. This like divide is not really, I think, real in terms of performance branding, which is kind of a term that's trending. But uh, there's an analogy I, I have. I don't remember where I um, uh, I don't remember where I read it, but I, I referenced when I talked to my team, even my like performance and brand teams on how they work together. And it's that um, there's both like um, you can ask there's there's asking someone an outdate and them saying yes are two different things and take mm. different actions. So I think mm-hmm. a performance <laughs> marketing is really that those hard hitting tactics where you're like, you're asking people, do you want to go on a date? Do you want to go on a date? And you can measure it. You're like, they said yes or they said no. Or they said, maybe call <laughs> me again in a week. Um, but why they someone says yes and why they continue on a date with you are really different, right? That's yeah. uh, knowing something about the person you're asking. So you're going to come with that knowledge. There's the perceptions and values and acts you as a person you know, or a brand in this case have, have made in the world, whether it's the friends you have or yeah, the commitments you're made, you know, where you live, what all those associations, those influence if they say yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's th- that for me, that's always been an analogy I've really kind of gravitated to I on how that. those are, it's, it's, you can't separate them. They're so no. intertwined, but they're knowing how, um, both the, the way you measure them is really different. And also the kind of t- time horizon at which you want to look at success is really different. We'll be back with more marketing Vanguard after this quick break. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. 
Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So, Amanda, I want to talk to you now about, you know, um, how you are as a leader, you know, and sort of some of the characteristics that define you as a as a not just a marketing, but a business leader within your company. And um, I think that's an important nuance because obviously, um, you know, we talk so much about how and have for, for frankly decades about how CMOs need to have a seat at the table and, and how do we build relevance and necessity uh, for marketing in new and meaningful ways that, that drive business and that you can basically be able to point directly to the efforts of a marketing organization and building a business and moving it forward. So talk to me a little bit about your leadership style. Um, I like asking this question. Um, Jordan's probably bored of, of hearing me say this now, but, um, you know, imagine yourself as a player on a soccer team. Would you characterize yourself as, you know, the striker at the front line trying to score those offensive goals? Are you at the midfield trying to kind of protect and sort of be that go-between between the offense and defense? Or are you at the back protecting the goal at all costs from, from the onslaught of, of competitive <laughs> uh, attack? Um, yeah, this is an interesting question. I... Uh, well, I'll give a few answers. I'll stick to the, the core of the answer and actually purely and then jump off the field a bit. But um, I would say a sweeper if I'm on the field, but not for the reasons you said. I think I actually played sweeper. <laughs> <laughs> so I played sweeper in soccer. So, And I think of what I like about it in terms of how it maps to my leadership style is the sweeper role is like moments of aggressive action, but also inaction where you're just mm. observing the field. Whereas I feel like most of the other, and you could say goalie too, but like, if you're kind of midfield and above, you're kind of moving, 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 you know, you're moving. Yeah. Whereas yeah. in the sweeper, you have that opportunity, both like you're observing the field. You, you can see the, pl- you can see what's happening in the plays. You can advise the other players. Um, you can watch the other team and like, what are their, you know, when you're off the field, you can say, Hey, th- I noticed this, uh, yeah. this guy on the team was doing this. We should try, you know, this other move. Um, but you're also, a, you are able to go from standstill to sprint, yeah. right? And, and so that's how I, the way I think about my leadership style in that sense is, um, I also, which is maybe not a great term, but I think I use the term like dive, dive bombing in and out. <laughs> um, I'm just now realizing that it has like military connotations. Oh, no. Well, surgical strikes. Oh, yeah, I know. So, okay. But, but to me, I think a, the way I uh, operate as a leader is I, um, I want to be, you know, there's like this sense of overseeing the whole team, keeping it connected, seeing the, op- seeing that I think of myself as chief forest for the treaser, right, role, <laughs> where that's a huge part of it. But another, which comes from, I think, from my startup background is I always have like a priority area that I'm in and I'm like, I'm in it. I'm in it with that team and it changes. So both that gives me the opportunity to work with um, t- teammates across every level at my company and really get in there and get my hands in the weeds, um, but also be kind of pulling in and out where I'm needed. So when I first joined, for example, I really focused on performance marketing because there was just a, very clear, quick wins that could be executed to drive performance. And I was like, okay, I'm going to get in there, work with the team, get this up and running. And then 
you know, after a couple of months, I pulled out. I was like, you guys are crushing it. You're, you're rolling. I'm going to move over here to this other area that I think um, I can dig into. So, so I guess that's, that's, how I, that's how I relate to the sweeper. The sweeper I love role. that. I love that. Um, by the way, I love your, your dog in the background because I have two dogs in, the ba- in my background. Usually I'm, I'm the one who has my, my canine friends. So. Oh, sorry, you can hear. Yeah, my Pac-Man, my uh, Chiweenie. It's a, a Chihuahua and a Dosh Hound. <laughs> yeah, isn't that the best name? So he's, he's got the, barky of the, the barkiness of the Dosh Hound. So. Oh my gosh, I love it. Um, no, but I love that. And honestly, just back to the soccer analogy, um, because I just think there's so many analogies in sports and, and anything where you're a t- part of a team. But one of the things I learned... Um, is just is just how much anticipation like I that's it's on a soccer field where I learned the the um, necessity and art and um, skill of anticipation and I just it stuck with me all these years because I think being able to anticipate where the ball is going is just that is what that's what unlocks everything as far as the strategy on the field that you you know that you basically follow and that what pushes you forward and so Talk about how you're anticipating changes in the market and how you're sort of making sure that everything you're doing as a marketing leader is, you know, responding to the here and now, but also um, keeping an eye out on the horizon around where you see the market, competition, or your consumers going. Yeah, this is a really, um, really relevant question for us right now at Weight Watchers. And I'd say it's more like as where we are as a transformational business and, you know, um, for us, it's really anticipating and looking at what's happening in um, the, the great advancement in knowledge and treatment for clinical obesity. Mm. So for those yeah. on, you know, listening in, you probably have heard the term GLP-1s, most likely Wagovi, um, Ozempic, like the names of these medications that have um, come out that have really um really amazing and are just part of the news cycle yeah (laughs) so for us and like we um this is to the anticipation like this was a this is kind of in the cultural consciousness now in this aggressive way but these were conversations as a business we were having um last year right right Mm -hmm. about like the the kind of science has been there and actually a lot of the medications in these classes has been there but not to this degree of effectiveness so Mm -hmm. um really looking at you know we are about science backed um, ways to improve weight health across the spectrum from um, if you're you're working someone living with overweight and that's um, and, and you want to be on a journey to improve your health that way or quality of life to clinical obesity which is a chronic condition and a disease which um, requires different treatment and so uh, you know we made the decision to that the advances in the space were were real and mm-hmm. were um, transformational for a group of, of people living with chronic obesity. And we um, moved into the space. We acquired Sequence, which is a telehealth company. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think importantly, it was about how we're moving the industry forward, not as an either or or, but as an and. Mm. Both there's a spectrum. So it, this is not that behavior change is not a wonderful solution for many people um, living with overweight. But also, if you um, have a chronic condition of obesity, Behavior change and nutrition and lifestyle is incredibly important. Think of mm-hmm. people who are on medications for car, um, for heart health, right? It's not like you start taking medications and you stop thinking about eating less salt or eating like lower fat foods. And so the opportunity to, I'd say it's not just like we were, I'd say, in a mode of anticipation and we'd made an action. And now actually we're in the mode of how do we 
move this industry forward mm. in a new way that is beneficial to society and the world and, and thinking about this, this broader spectrum of weight health, but also that recognizing obesity is a chronic condition. Yeah. Well, you're making a statement and you're having a point of view, right? As a company that kind of basically has influenced a brand that's well known, you know, in, in those kinds of strategic business decisions, you're making, you're basically saying here world, here consumers, this is what we believe to be true. And sort of, you know, I think, I think you have to be unabashed about those kinds of yeah. decisions as companies, because, um, you know, at the end of the day, it is, um, you have to be able to put the pieces together in a way that's meaningful. Uh, and it's, you know, it's this concept of one plus one equals three. Um, so I think in that move, it's, it's, it's a, an example of that. Talk a little bit a bit more of this concept of collaboration. I'd love for you to talk about it both as a business and as a brand, sort of how you, how you view collaboration, but also how you personally view collaboration internally and who are the, who are the people and roles that you particularly need to, to collaborate with um, for mutual success. Um, yeah, so I think on the business side is collaborations are just a great, for, from where I sit as the chief marketing officer, collaboration with um, your actual, for us members, as well as yeah. other brands, are just a way to tell stories in really interesting ways and, and, and get in front of new audiences. So um, especially for especially for a six-year-old heritage brand, the ability to connect with um with new up and coming brands provides that opportunity. So we did a collaboration with Baked by Melissa, which are many cupcakes oh, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. that we did so in, in January, which was une- like, you know, unexpected, I think for kind of a, what would be, you know, um, a weight loss brand to be connecting with cupcakes, but our whole, the whole Weight Watchers concept is everything's on the menu. And so we had, did a partnership that was custom little cupcakes. It was eat, you know, it was kind of eat a cupcake and stay on track period. Um, and it was, it was incredibly successful. They said it was like one of the fastest selling collaborations they'd done. And that just let us reach a new audience. I think it raised some eyebrows in a good way. That's how I often think for us as a heritage brand, how do we raise eyebrows? Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and, and just re- you know, help people reimagine who we can be today, but in a way that's still really authentic to who we've yeah. always been. And unexpected. That, uh, that element of, of uh, surprise is still so key. Yeah. And then Uh, internally. Yeah. And internally, I mean, I think everyone, I I imagine very similar to what other people have said, but collaboration is, you know, critical, uh, uh, even more so as you get further up the ranks, right? At the sea level that um, so much of, which within this, I learned at a startup, you know, when you're, I think to really be an excellent um, at what you need to do at the sea level is you have to, I need to wear my CMO hat sometimes, but a lot of times in those venues, I need to take off that hat and I'm just C-level, right? You're just mm. like, I'm here as a someone who is responsible for leading this business forward. And, and these are wonderful group of people at Weight Watchers that are equally as responsible for that as me. And we are in it together to collaborate, mm. not collaborate as in, I just bring my marketing thing and you put the puzzle piece together with the data person and the puzzle piece together with the finance person, but no, genuinely smart minds collaborating across the full business of where have we been? What do we need to do? Where are we going? And, and being open. um, I think the best environment is where you're really open. And I love, I love getting marketing ideas from other people, right? There's sometimes that's, you have to be out of your own function to have some of those insights and ideas. So, um, just really well, building those, yeah. The, the sequence acquisition, for example, I mean, that's a massive di- business decision. You all had to be all in on that, you know, and I'm sure there were some people who were hesitant because they're like, the, perhaps the purists of the program might have said, 
we can't do that. That's 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 off brand or that's not in line with what historically we have been as a business. So how did you navigate that? What was, you know, kind of give us an inside look at some of the discussions that had to happen in order for that to be realized? Yeah, I think it was just looking at um looking at what um you know, what are the pros and cons and like yeah. what are the the what need what do we need to believe for this to be um, the right thing to do and really coming at it from an, uh, that opportunity assessment and looking at, we both looked at, do we build, do we buy, um, do we not enter the space? And like, what's the, um, what's the, the risk of not doing that? Not, I'd say just from a business perspective, but also really from the relevance of where this industry mm. and this, this health space is going um, and, and, and measuring it from that level of, where do we want to be? What value do we want to create in the world? How does this align with that? And then, then we can figure out how to do it, right? Yeah. Like we can figure that out. We're smart, but it was really, I'd say, leveling up to that level of why do we exist? What value do we, we need to bring to, to the people that are looking to us um, to create value? And, and what does that require at this moment in time? And it was with that angle, it was incredibly clear um, that moving into this space was important, mm. but um, for the value we could bring and the movement we could, and as you said, as a six, us moving into this was a part of like how you can educate and make sure this is seen as a really important move in the industry, knowing full well that um, we're a bit of ahead of the curve in doing this, I'd say, um, from even some of our own members, right? Definitely, definitely expected and have gotten um, kind of questions and, and why are you doing this? I thought you were only about behavior change. And that's mm -hmm. only opportunity, opportunity to educate, opportunity to bring everyone along on the journey. Have a conversation. Um, and have a conversation. And that, that's, you know, I, I feel like I got this, you know, maybe from my, my startup background as well, but that's great. Yeah. <laughs> people, the, the death of a brand is people, is neutrality, yeah. is people not caring. Yeah. If people are have a, a, a experience reaction to something my the brand does, mm. positive or negative, that is an opportunity, and that is good because it means people care, yeah. and and it just means the what what you need to do, how you need to bring people on the journey, how you need to show up, you need to be self aware of those um, reactions. But you know, I think if you yeah, as as a modern brand, if you're you, you don't want to try to please everyone, and also if if you're not having some of those conversations, you're probably not building the brand. So true. Um, talk about the metrics that matter to you, uh, to your CFO and to your marketing team and board. And in that Venn diagram, where do they connect? Yeah, so I say at the kind of financial level of like a business, you know, building the business in the kind of near to medium term, we really focus on CLTV to CAC, so a customer lifetime value. Um, over kind of cost of, of acquiring and just really focusing on profitable deployment, essentially, of our marketing dollars to grow the business. But having mm -hmm. a bit of a, that metric allows you to have a longer term view um, to the value, especially as a subscription business. You can measure that in a way um, really a lot more accurately than I found at like I was at e-commerce before as well. But mm -hmm. at Birchbox and, and here at Weight Watchers, having a subscription business, you can manage really well to that. Um, and so that's a, you know, and that's deeply integrated in, you know, data, finance, and marketing at Weight Watchers is deeply integrated from forecasting to measurement to retros um, and feeling a sense of real responsibility there. And obviously the board really cares about that. Yeah. Um, but equally, as we just talked about, we're on this moment of 
you know, transformation for the brand and for the business. And so um, on that level, really looking at brand reputation and credibility. Um, and, and not only... Um, not only for now, not only not only are we doing making sure we have that brand health, that credibility in the space we have trust. been and where we're going and trust, yeah. but really the, this in the this industry and the innovation in this industry is cracking wide open. Is, mm-hmm. is our sense like mm-hmm. more is to come, um, and so it's about building the brand credibility with the eye to that that to like a portfolio that we would have a portfolio of solutions that we Mm -hmm. would be an, like we're going to be an innovator in this space and building the credibility that consumers, healthcare professionals um, will look to us as the, as, as the leaders in that. Yeah. That, that brings a, um, I would argue an incremental level of responsibility though, because the minute you get into, you know, frankly, healthcare, the healthcare space, and you know, you're starting to get into that realm. It's like reputation. um, It was always necessary and and important. But now it does it does lean much more into that trust component, right? And just feeling like you're going to deliver on promises and that people who engage are going to be you know, this is going to be a um, well vetted, you know, um, um, safe space for, you know, for them to, to engage. And, and, and that's, um, I love that because that's part of, as you said, that's part of your evolution, but it, it brings with it a higher level of responsibility, which it sounds like you're very cognizant of as, as you build the company forward in that way. Yeah, absolutely. I think this entire space and us included yeah. is becoming more health adjacent Yeah, um, in a good way, in a great way. Right. Cause yeah. I think, you know, We've all something I didn't know until I joined was we have a chief scientific officer. It's like Weight Watchers has always yeah. been based on like 120 clinical trials, right? And like it's yeah. a, there's a reason why doctors recommend Weight Watchers mm-hmm. um, because of that. But we so there's a need. If I thought of what I was trying to build in the brand before we moved into this space, it was a lot about modern modernity, relevance, being in tune with culture, which we still need to do. But as you said, now movement in this space means we need to bring back to the forefront that science, um, that connectivity to um, that this is, yeah, this is not like opinion. This is based on like facts and health. Like, um, like th- there's a study that just came out that, um, these medications, um, create a 20% reduction in cardiovascular kind mm. of risks and uh, kind of summarizing <laughs> people go, but like that, like true health benefits. Right. And that, that is, it's a different, it's a different world for us to be engaging in and being definitely taking the time with my team and across the company, be really thoughtful about what does that mean? What do we need to do and be as we build credibility there and to be the right partner um, for members that are going to be on a different type of journey when you're um, on on medications as well as, um, as well as doing a behavior program. So we can, can be seen as the, the best in class, right. Mm. Of how to do that. That's what we want to be. Yeah. Speaking of journey, um, Yours has been so unique. What would you say to people who are, you know, um, younger folks who are newer to the industry or perhaps even before the industry, you know, they're thinking about how to build careers and where where in business they want to build their careers. What would you say to them now um, based on your experiences as far as what a career in marketing and ultimately marketing leadership can afford mm-hmm. them mm-hmm. that is unique to other business roles within organizations? Yeah, I always describe what I do as consumer-led business strategy. Mm. Um, like that's how I, like 
that's how I think of myself. And, and, and I think that, um, that is where the kind of marketing organization and CMO role continues to evolve. And so if you are passionate about human behavior and, um, what that means and how to build relationships with people that help drive the business forward, um, that mar- and, and it, there's a lot of similarities with product. I always thought I was like, I could have gone into product, but <laughs> I think kind of product and marketing both kind of afford that, um, perspective. Um, but that, that, um, you know, that, that if you're kind of passionate about the con- relationship of the business and the consumer, that that marketing really affords the ability to build your career with that as the focus. Yeah. Uh, if the literal definition of Vanguard uh, means a group of people leading the way in new developments or ideas, what's an example as, as, as specific as you can give of, of a de- development or an idea or decision that you've made that you feel has really um, changed the trajectory for, um, you know, for your brand, for your business, or even for the broader industry? Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think at the the Weight Watchers level, um, one, which was a movement forward for 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 them, really coming from startups, was the focus on like a singular consumer that you're building for. I think mm-hmm. a lot, I even in consulting, I remember we used to do this, like all these segmentations and, and, and I came in and we had like five different customers and I said, but who mm-hmm. are we building for? Again, like who are we creating yeah. a relationship for at the end of yeah. the day? Who is that most important? And you can have what I call broad audience appeal where of course other people can come and enjoy and get value from it. But who is that one customer that we as a business, not a marketing team, but as a business are building for. And so within like a month, you know, again, being bold, I was like, I feel like we need one customer and we're like, <laughs> got everyone on board and we like, we did it. And we, we didn't go and do a big study. I just taught, we had a great research team. So we just talked on the data we had and we landed on the life craver, um, which is someone where, um, kind of like your relationship with food is central to your self identity. So think about, um, you know, you plan your vacations based on the kind of restaurants and local foods you're going to try. Mm-hmm. You want to bring the way you show love and bring your heritage to life is the meals and recipes for your family. It's kind of integral. You think of it as a way to nourish yourself, um, as well as, you know, the power to heal. It's, it's just, it's a part, you know, it, if, if you are one or you know someone, this should resonate. It's just like, it's so central to who you are, but that I, I have not, that was picked up within a month of the business. And it's like, if you mm. walk around now, every team is talking about the life craver. It's inspiring. Um, I love that. It's inspiring I love the play on words. Yeah. The play on words is fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, 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 a uh, um, and it's not, I don't think it's, it's not, it was me. I feel like I was, and maybe this is a good example to a Vanguard is like, I feel like I was a, a spark of something that was waiting to happen. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like it's not like I didn't have the, I had just started. I did not have the mm-hmm. knowledge to actually come up with the target customer. It was just like sparked the company to be, to say, this is what we need to do. This is where I need to go, but you guys can do it. Yeah. Um, but it's fresh perspective too. I would argue, you know, coming in new and sometimes you, that is a benefit in and of itself to, to jumpstart uh, things, obviously. So I love that. I love that. Um, Last quick question is really who's next. And, um, you know, with the Marketing Vanguard podcast, we're always looking for, um, you know, new names, new faces, new people to interview, um, either at the, you know, CMO title or equivalent, or even CEOs. You know, I I interview a lot of CEOs who have come up through the CMO role, um, because I think that's a really unique cohort as well. Um, But who would you love to see us interview next? 
Yeah, I, if you haven't already, would recommend Kate Hewitt. She's the CMO of Bombas. Have awesome. you, do you know her? I don't know Kate. I know okay. of her, but I've never met her. And my, to my knowledge, I've never met her, but I would love to. I'd love uh, to know Yeah, I think she's so interesting. One, because she's um, this outlier in the startup world where she's been at, like, she's been at Bombas for so long, right? She's that seen the I do full, know. Yes, yeah, she's seen the time. full evolution, yeah. and just their their approach to marketing is so unique. With the really, um, so focused, so mission oriented, and kind of supporting, you know, um, giving giving items to homeless shelters, and just everything is yeah. so mission oriented, and just like such a on point brand and and community. I'm one of them. Like pa- people are passionate about their socks, right? And I'm like, <laughs> I would love to hear Kate explain to me how she created a passion in me for my socks. It's oh, there. I love it. I love it's that. there. And I, I am, pa- it's like everyone in my house has Bombas, right? You know, I know the little, like the beehive pattern. Mm-hmm. I can see that when people are wearing them. And it's like, of all, I feel like people would have been so skeptical of like someone coming in and be like, you were going to create a brand people love and socks. And they're more now, but like start with socks. And you're like, so I, I would love to listen to that and learn cool. from like kind of what she did. Uh, we'll have her on then. We'll reach out. Um, Amanda, thank you so much. As always, it's such a pleasure to see you and be with you and talk to you and, and learn from you. So um, thank you. Thank you for being here. And I'm, I'm sure on behalf of all the listeners, um, thanks for sharing your, your perspective and your pearls of wisdom with us. So Thank you so much. Hope to talk again soon. Take care. Thank you for listening to Marketing Vanguard, part of the Adweek Podcast Network and Acast Creator Network. This podcast was produced by Jordan Pretano, executive produced by Al Manorino and John Heil, and edited by Lane McGibney at Boutwell Studios. You can listen and subscribe to all of Adweek's podcasts by visiting adweek.com slash podcasts. Stay updated on all things Adweek Podcast Network by following us on Twitter at Adweek Podcasts. And if you have a question or suggestion for the show, send us an email at podcast at adweek.com. Thanks for listening. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.